Listen, the ship is in danger. We have been caught in a 30-minute time loop. And every second that you doubt me brings us all closer to death. Intruder alert. Shots fired. Want him locked down. Drive overload critical. Wait! Go, go, go! Make yourselves at home. I have. Star Trek Discovery. New episodes. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me stuck inside a Garmagander are... Adam Bowen. Bill Voivod. And Emily Bowen-Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. We're excited to continue our series recapping episodes of Star Trek that deal with time travel. I created this series because I used to be addicted to time travel, but that's all in the past now. (laughs) (laughs) Today... Today, we're going to recap the episode Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad from Star Trek Discovery. But first, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell your friends about us because, you know, we're fun to tell friends about. And while you're at it, uh, you are compelled to uh, give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts and uh, make sure to force everyone else you know to do it too. And spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about the episode and everything that happens. Um, and yeah, in the end, uh, if you haven't seen it, they all end up back on the bridge and everything is okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly. <laughs> it doesn't always happen on Discovery. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Especially if you're a person of color. Oh. No. It's true in yeah. the first know, season. Know, know, Not good. Anyway. Travis Mayweather, zap. He's not. (laughs) There you go. Um, So today, again, as I just mentioned, we're going to talk about magic to make the sanest man go mad. Why does Discovery always have these long titles? Anyway, (laughs) it's the seventh episode of the first season of Star Trek Discovery. First said 29th October 2017. Google uh, location history can tell you what you were doing on that day if you're curious. And it's written by Aaron Eli Collette. Jess and Jesse Alexander. It was directed by David M. Barrett. And the in-universe date was 2256. We always start with our strange new takes. Sakru, who's got a strange new take for me? Well, I, I think I've got uh, one right away is that, uh, by the way, you can tell Google to forget things about you after a given a certain timeline. So my Google does not remember, theoretically, that's what they tell me. Uh, about what was happening on that particular particular day about me because I haven't I think delete things after maybe six months. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, in terms of the episode though, I think that the uh, basically the pitch for this one was just what if we did cause and effect, but what happened this time is that it actually ends up a better episode. So yeah, <laughs> I, I I think this is a far superior cause and effect than uh, to cause and effect itself. So what what are you hiding, Adam? Yeah, I know. I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> Where were you on the night of? 
<clears throat> I mean, I was probably watching uh, Star Trek Discovery in my house, but <laughs> no, no alibi, huh? Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, man. Um, so uh, I have a strange new factoid. <clears throat> Shaquille O'Neal made twelve thousand baskets during his NBA career. One of which was a three-pointer. Really? That's oh. true. Shaq wow. scored one three-pointer ever. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as far as this episode goes, I, I, I think it's probably my favorite episode from season one of Discovery. I think that's fair to say. I think it's just, you know, super fun. Maybe not perfectly executed, but I think it it's, yeah, just really fun and engaging um, and I like it a lot. <clears throat> My strange new take for life. I don't know. I'm just tired this week, so <laughs> I don't have a strange new take. I think my kid might be sleeping, so that's nice. He woke me up at one something, and I didn't get back to bed till three. So, you know, strange new Joyful. take is that toddlers, they mess with your sleep. You think it stops when they stop being babies, but that's not true. Anyway, but they're so cute and they're so fun to watch that it doesn't matter. So um, they're very entertaining. So, you know, I forget all the things that are annoying <laughs> because he's just fun. So, um, But uh, my strange new take for the show, this is what it looks like when you have character development that actually makes an impact on the characters. I found this really fun to watch. Not just as a season one episode, because I, I think I'd have to agree with you, Bill. I think it's my favorite season one episode. But um, it's it was also fun to watch to see how these characters were two seasons ago, because the my most recent watchings have been uh, season three. And so it was just kind of fun to say, oh, yeah, that's what these characters were like back in season one. And also, um, this episode is the only... It's really the only... Potentially, potential standalone episode in season one of Discovery. All of the other episodes really are part of this arc. And this one is placed in the arc, but it's, you know what I mean? Like you could kind of go watch it and not have to watch all of the rest of season one to be able to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. But the episode still has an impact on future events and it is impacted by past events. So anyway, I just... That just doesn't happen in Star Trek very much until Discovery, so. Yeah, I, I wonder if it, this might even, you might not even need to see any episode of Discovery before watching this one. I think that yeah, they, they, they do give pretty you good. The, yeah, they, like, they you give get you the exposition. Gist of and, mm -hmm. Well, uh, I went back to actually see what I was doing on October 29, 2017, and it's incredibly boring. I went to what looks like used to be, I mean, one of my favorite restaurants is there now, but back in 2017, according to Street View, all that was there was a empty lot. So apparently I did some very boring stuff on the 29th, and I drove to an empty lot and drove home. And I, it looks like I walked around my yard a lot, so maybe I mowed my lot. Who knows? Anyway, that's my strange new take. Uh, this episode, man, uh, like I said, why do these titles have to be so like long? Do they like, uh, let's go look for a literary reference that is 30 characters in every word and has like seven <laughs> bajillion syllables. Like, seriously, you read all the titles of like Star Trek Discovery episodes. You know, you have, Si vis pasem parabellum, into the forest I go. You know, okay, despite yourself, now that's a pretty short one. But it's, it's, you know, it's just like, 
man, I gotta name a podcast here. The, t- the title's always getting cut off by the software because of uh, discovery, and it's it's uh, you know it's kind of annoying. Like, through the valley of shadows, come on, you know. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, let's jump into discussing this episode in depth uh, with the story in writing first. The apparently the discovery writing staff decided to have this episode largely separate totally from the rest of the season. This is a quote. We just wanted, we just always had this notion of. Let's just have one episode where it's kind of crazy and fun and like sci-fi wacky, you know, kind of comedic stuff. Uh, And kind of all got poured into that one episode, Erica Lepold explained. Well said, kind of crazy and fun and like sci-fi wacky, you know. I do know, Erica Lepold. I do know. Uh, Here's a summary. As the crew attempts to let loose at a party, Harry Mudd triggers a time loop that repeatedly destroys the ship and kills the crew in an attempt to learn the secret of the spore drive and sell the discovery to the Klingons. This episode didn't have a teaser. Oh, Oh. didn't... Didn't notice that. Wasn't it like the first episode since Encounter at Farpoint or something to not have it? So did Encounter at Farpoint not have a teaser? I couldn't remember. It didn't. Okay. No. No, we were, the, I think the 20 years in between that and animated series were teaser enough for Star Trek fans. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, all right, we, we had, um, we had the, the old credit sequence, which, you know, we've, we've seen that change as dis- through Discovery's run. It was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we jump right into the party. Yeah. Woo! Well, it starts with the personal log. Before the party. So they do kind of sure. do the whole setup with the personal log. And which I thought in some ways was, well, no. And actually, I was going to say, I wondered if that was kind of a callback to the cause and effect. But they didn't go back to the personal log every time. So it, it just made me think about, you know how Dinah is like, they do something so crazy at the beginning of the episode that you're like, I can't believe this happened. So they have to mm-hmm. bring time back. That's what happened when I saw the party. I was like, this, this cannot be what actually happens. Yeah, after like... <laughs> they can't but, can't successfully have a party and nobody's uh ruins it or whatever but burnham's exposition i mean personal log is uh is pretty good <laughs> you know she mm-hmm. explains her character how she's feeling and uh how'd that make y'all feel yeah I, I think that goes into the uh it just feels like a really good uh, intro to the episode, and yeah, I, I think that's part of why you probably could just watch this one without any other discovery and be able to get it because it's uh, like we we know that she's like dreading this party and like it's the worst thing that she can possibly imagine, and uh, it's this like great thing that she has to overcome, and it's revealed that it's just a party, and uh, yeah, I, I I think it's a good way to to frame it and it's and it's helpful that the loop doesn't happen where we have to hear her exact same entry every single time <laughs> right well and they i mean they really use it to they book it i mean the episode is definitely bookended right because you've got mm-hmm. the personal log at the beginning and then the personal log at the end that tells you of the growth that happened <laughs> in the episode you know <laughs> even though she wouldn't like that's the thing that's interesting about this episode is the time loop is so short mm-hmm there is no way that they got all of that information and were on board in that short of a period of time. But that's one of the conceits we just have to let go, right, in order to enjoy the episode. Because with cause and effect, they, I mean, what would it have been a day 
or it was at least it's, several yeah, hours, you yeah, know, it, that it they seems were like it, ha- yeah, it has to be maybe half a day at the, mo- yeah. at the least, but, um, but yeah, this one definitely, you know, they're really having to communicate a whole lot or Stamets is having to communicate a whole lot in a very short period of time, but. And the party itself, how do y'all think? I mean, this is this the first like recognizable party we've ever had in Star Trek? You know, usually oh, we yeah. we we have the like butterfly ladies who have like long tongues and like yeah. weird crap happening. Where it's like this is a party, but it's a space party. I know. <laughs> or you have to have half naked women dancing. They always have that at parties in Star Trek. And there, yeah. I didn't notice any half naked women dancing. Was it so even a party? Nice. I know, you know, well, and, but, and so the, that was welcome. The, the music wasn't uh, like from seventy or eighty years ago, and <laughs> it was like uh, or or hundreds of years ago, and there was no. Uh, it didn't like sound like it was coming night. out of a theremin, you know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some weird crap happening. It's like they're like it's a party, but it's a space DJ party. Yeah, uh, I, I think they might have had to pay somebody royalties <clears throat> for the songs that they used, rather than just like finding the oldest possible music that it guaranteed everyone involved with it is dead. Uh, so, so that Burnham comes free. in and is like, yeah, you know, Ash Tyler organized this party and he's obsessed with ancient human music. So here's <laughs> a, a bunch of Muddy Waters. And it's just like he's playing an LP and it's just like that's how they explain it. <laughs> At least it wasn't the Beastie Boys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did, have you guys seen the um, the Space Hippies episode from TOS? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're all like... <laughs> Sitting around playing bongos and they're like, well, and you, you Starfleet types are so square. Isn't <laughs> that, that the one where chill out and smoke some space grass? They gave no. that one a sequel in the in the animated series, didn't they? Really? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. It only would have been made better if Leonard Nimoy had started singing his song about the Hobbit. <laughs> it would have fit really well in that episode. So I, yeah, I, I don't know if that one counted as a party or not, but that. <laughs> That's the closest I could think of. Is the space yeah, I, I, I was thinking of the um, like the reception in Star Trek Insurrection, and yeah, and also not really a party. <laughs> but okay, so so this is a recognizably. I mean, it's a bro party. They're playing like mm-hmm. pong, basically, but some weird form of pong where you have like you know the the, the cup in your mouth or whatever, and like mm-hmm. you know people are hitting on each other, and it's it's not like Beverly and. Picard like sipping milk on like a couch. They're like actually like you know making moves at one another and yeah, there's people uh, like making out in the corners and whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tilly is drunk. Um, so anyway, it was it was a little jarring. I remember the first time I watched it. This time it was a little bit more normal because I knew what was coming. Uh, but we haven't seen stuff like this in Star Trek, and I think that's a good thing. I think I think it's good that Discovery is making Star Trek a little bit more contemporary in that way. Yeah, um, and and I actually relatable. like ca- character development wise, I I really like that uh, Tilly is like the least awkward uh, person. Like she like she was made to be at parties. If she's in any other context, she like repeats herself constantly, or like can't can't keep her thoughts straight, or just like gets uh, uh, super nervous and anxious. And it's just uh, I love the confidence that we see out of her during this party sequence. So now this happens right after Stamets. This episode happens right after Stamets, like, injects himself with that uh, tardigrade DNA mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's coming off being a little loopy. And so the first go-around, Burnham and Ash Tyler leave the party, and they end up bumping into him and Culber. 
And the presumption there is that that's the first loop ever. Because mm -hmm. Samets hasn't recognized anything. And then we deal with the Gormagander, Harry Mudd comes in. The thing that confused me is that Harry Mudd seems to imply when he destroys the ship the first time. And I know I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff right now, but just stay with me here for a second. He seems to imply that that has happened before. But Stamets doesn't know that it's happened before when we see him. So, like, it's it's kind of jarring to me to figure out, like, which loop they're on when the episode starts. Do you know what I mean? Could it be that Stamets, it takes Stamets a, once or twice to be able to figure yeah, it out? I, you know what I, I mean? I, I, like, I he we... just isn't. Like, especially since he's so loopy, I think probably what happens is that we have the, like, we see the first iteration of it, like, that when, when he comes out dramatically and starts shooting people, like, is the first loop. And uh, then I think we probably go to, like, at least the third or later loop, because it, uh, Stamets just sort of, like, immediately appears in engineering, like, and are, and already is, like, involved with, like, trying to... Uh, stop with stop things and it, and it just seems like it's a um too much is going on wasn't that the second or third one though that he shows oh, up that... in engineering yeah this so, so this one he doesn't even make it to engineering <laughs> so the first one uh, that they show mud just gets locked in the it's not the turbo lift i don't think or maybe it is he gets trapped in the turbo lift and then he says you know oh i am gonna figure out um i have it in here uh, la, 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 la. do you really think you can leave me to rot in the Klingon prison and not suffer any repercussions exactly. as soon as I find out what's so special about your ship I'm going to sell it to the Klingons I'm going to sell your ship to your mortal enemy and in doing so destroy any chance your Federation has of winning this war when you left me behind um, with the Klingons you robbed me of my dear sweet Stella I'm, I skipped around but the only woman I've ever loved I will have my revenge also I'm going to kill you as many times as possible um, and then he says he won't steal their ship this time, but he has all the data data he needs for the next. So I will see you later or rather earlier. And then he clicks something that destroys the ship. So that, that okay. So then that maybe was the first time. Mm -hmm. Anyway. He just um, knows what he's going to be doing. So he's uh, kind of telegraphing to them because he knows it doesn't matter because they're not going to remember. And what... And then we get get to basically the next iteration where Stamets gets dragged away, even though he's he knows what's happening. Culber kind of grabs him and takes him away. Um, so okay, what do you, this might be a good place to talk about the mechanism of time travel in this episode. What do y'all think about it? The the time crystals. So I I. I, I think like the other episodes that we've been talking about, I, I like that it's just kind of a gimmicky thing because like the purpose of this episode is like, yeah, let's just do some wacky sci-fi stuff. Uh, the time crystals are weird because I, um, I, I very much would prefer that they had only ever been in this episode and then never used ever again. However, I do really like the episode in season two when they come back, even though I super disagree with like time crystals like existing as a thing that the Klingon Empire just like keeps around. It's just like <laughs> I, I I like what we learned about uh, Pike's character in that, <laughs> but it's just I uh, I I think I would have rather that this was just sort of like a uh, time crystal. I don't know, and then we kind of just push it on the rug because it's like fun to have a time loop. Well, and don't they use the time crystal in the last episode of season two as well? Like, isn't that part of the? Oh, and needed? I think the time crystal might also power. They had the, to have part uh, of it for the sh for the suit or something. Yeah, it powers the suit. Yeah. 
Uh, stupid time crystal. We shouldn't. <laughs> I, 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 uh, now I'm mad again. <laughs> yeah. Bill, what do you think? I, I mean, it, it's, it is a kind of silly hand wave. But it's always going to be a silly hand wave, right? I mean, I, I think it's yeah. better than just like going around the sun, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and, and at least this this is like a finite resource that uh, like if they break the time crystal, then they can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I, Notch, I'm trying to like take your question seriously. I mean, it is when you think about it, it's like what's really happening. It seems like actually mud and stamets are kind of outside of this loop. So really what's happening is the kind of knowledge and information about the previous loops is getting sent back, right? 30 minutes, like with each iteration, but it's not like uh, mud is actually traveling back in time 30 minutes because then there would be two muds and three muds and four muds. And so- I, Oh yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, so I don't, I mean, when you think about it, I, it probably doesn't really make much sense, but that's okay. The one thing I was a little confused about the first time I watched it um, was I thought Mud had to be the one to reset it every time. But then there's that one, I don't know if it was the second or the third iteration that they show where he's unconscious because Stamets shoots him. So he's unconscious for it. Mm. But then oh, I started yeah. to wonder after I watched it all the way through, I was wondering if actually what it is that he has it set to explode and the explosion is what sets it back. And he needs to be conscious to stop the explosion. So that's why it was able to reset when he was unconscious um, in that one iteration. Yeah, I, th I think that's correct because um, it's it has something to do with that device on his arm, which like dissolves away when he uh, right. sort of right. so, uh, finishes it at the end. I think that was the weakest part of the... Um of that whole setup was that I didn't actually understand that the time crystal expires. Um, and so when it happened at the end, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I, and I, I, maybe there was a reference to it, but I didn't catch it. So I thought that that was, it was a little bit like convenient that that happened, you know? Uh, yeah, that it, it wasn't just something like, oh, he has to turn it off. And then we're just gonna trust that, like we need to prevent him from pushing the button again. So the thing I was wondering, so if, I don't know if you all had ideas about this, one of the things that seems to be different between this episode and cause and effect is that mm -hmm. the rest of the crew does not recognize that they have been repeating the same loop over and over and over again, just right. Stamets, um, which in some ways I would think would be more of a hindrance because it helps that each time the enterprise crew experiences it, mm -hmm. they kind of are remembering. And so that makes all of them working together to figure this out a little more plausible. Whereas this one, it's like, wow, they ha Stamets has to do a whole lot of heavy lifting for the entirety of the episode in order to <laughs> be yeah. able to have I, it succeed. I, I feel like that adds better urgency to this episode though, because mm -hmm. we, uh, like we know that that's like a whole lot for one person to do. So, and he has to figure out how to like communicate that like in shorter and shorter time, time bursts. And um, it, I, I, I don't know. It just, it feels like it's a good, um, uh, a, a good way of driving the episode forward. And yeah, I just now remembered that the time crystal also doesn't make sense because he, he's not going to reset that. There's something manual about it. He, he's, he doesn't have the thing set to explode before the Klingons show up. And then uh, when Burnham kills it. So yeah, there's something a little bit fuzzy about how, the logic about that. But I think it's best if we just say 
Whatever. Don't think about, about it too much. much. <laughs> there is there is one thing though. So Burnham says that they have never been able to stabilize the time crystal, and so that maybe that perhaps there's a a four dimensional being that might have helped. And I hope you noticed that Harry Mudd was flashing away captains, much like another friend of ours who you could say was a four dimensional being. And then he said "Adieu, mon capitaine," uh. another reference to Q. So, oh. so there's some Q, uh, Q-ness kind of reference a few times here. And I think Harry, uh, Rain Wilson would actually make a really cool Q. Oh, yeah, I could see him doing yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think that could, or, I think that's uh, how he plays Mud. He kind of plays Mud with that same... He, he just know. watched the wrong episode of the original series. He watched <laughs> Trelane instead of... Uh... <laughs> I, th- I would say that he's he's more malicious than Q. Though. Q doesn't like outright murder people, as far oh, as I can well, remember, in, in no. most episodes. No, that's for that's for sure. He's pretty he's pretty grim. Um, there was something else. Oh, I was gonna say about Stamets. Um, you know, Stamets having to do the heavy lifting. I also think I think that was, in some ways, I think this episode was essential in making us like Stamets. Because I don't know about you all, but I did not like Stamets. Which was yeah. sad because I love Anthony Rapp. And so I was his character really was off-putting the first several episodes of Discovery. Mm-hmm. But you just get to see so many layers of him in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um and and I mean I like I wrote um in the notes that they had to inject him with that tardigrade DNA to change his personality so that we could actually like him. But um but this this episode just did a lot. I think it kind of peeled the layers away of him and we got to see so many different sides. Yeah, yeah, because uh, honestly, his his original uh, personality is pretty close to uh, Mirror Stamets. It feels like, like I <laughs> like he might be the character that stays the most the same because just like a dick to everybody and uh, thinks that he's better than absolutely everybody else. And uh, maybe there's like a little bit less of the manipulation or whatever. But he's he's less. He's like a more crotchety, less creepy Tom Barris early Tom Paris. And I feel like both characters have that same arc where they go from being kind of complete assholes to mm. being likable and, and approachable and, and valued members of the crew. Although, given some of the things we've seen of Stamets towards the end of season three, maybe that'll... We'll see some more stuff that happens in season four. Mm. Um, you know, that, that... Sorry, that just brought another thing to mind i was thinking of so when he asks burnham to tell him a secret that no one else knows you know what she tells him is that she's never been in love and his response is i'm so sorry and i was just thinking like they shared a lot of intimacy in these you know in order to get her to trust him and that just sheds so much more on the deep deep hurt that stamets feels that she ejected him from the ship at the end of season three to keep him away. I just started thinking that, mm. I don't know if you kind of look at this episode, like, and she may not even recognize all of that because she wouldn't have remembered it, but he remembers it. You know, he knows right. how, how much they got to know each other in that, in that yeah, repeated yeah. loop. And it just, it makes it, cause he is so, so angry and so not understanding of why she did it. And, and I can understand why she did it. I think it was a hard decision, but um, he can't see that. And I wonder if that's kind of tinged by some of their prior experiences. So now 
I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of these characters because in previous episodes I think we've gone sequentially and I think here it makes sense to talk a little bit about the char- each character individually because I think that's what drives this episode forward more than anything else is each character's motivations and like you were saying we learned so much more about them in between. Let's start with Ash Tyler because I, I, I was going to start with Harry Mudd but I feel like he is the media section. Ash Tyler in this episode, I keep watching this and I don't hate Ash Tyler like some people hate Ash Tyler. But I just wish he wasn't freaking Volk. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? I just don't... Like, he is so much more compelling as just a human who's been, like, stuck in a prison and now is adapting to life. Yeah, because they, they even have, like, really interesting parts of, like, going through the trauma that he's experienced. And, yeah, I, 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 I do think that that's one of the most disappointing things both about this episode and just, like, other ones in general uh, in this season is it just you know that kind of that it can't possibly work out and like you're sort of wondering like how much of this is just a manufactured personality and i mean i know that that's sort of its its own trauma in in one sense but like it like i just i would as i'm watching this episode i just i want them to live happily ever after and like have this just be like the sweet beginning to a relationship and it's just like nope <laughs> He's also the guy who stands up uh, in the in the in the party and is like to the troops, all the troops, both sides. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, that, if he was Volk, you know, if he's got a little Volk in it, that's what he yeah. would have actually done. <laughs> Do you know there was something in the scene where he um, is dancing with? with uh burnham right after she says because you like me and i like you you know like that kind of whatever gets revealed he sounds so much like Vogue, like the way he intones like the the cadence of his lines after that i don't know i was like i didn't notice it so much before because i didn't realize the first few episodes we saw with ash tyler i didn't realize he was Vogue, but um but yeah, when you're listening, I was like, he sounds so much like he does his vocal. How did I not notice? You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I guess I I find myself again appreciating the. I feel like he has a deft touch with other people. Ash Tyler, he doesn't like. He, he it's none of his behavior, in my opinion, goes to the point where he feels like a caricature of himself. At least in this episode. Um, what about Lorca while we're talking about side characters here? Lorca apparently doesn't like Gormaganders. He doesn't like any creature that's not like himself. I don't know. There's something wrong with that man. <laughs> he has so many different ways to torture and annihilate things in his private study or whatever he calls yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it definitely does... Uh, make it very clear uh as, as mirror you're watching universe this. yeah yeah he's he's mirror mirror universe for sure like doesn't doesn't care about any environmentalism type things like only wants to destroy and conquer um yeah it, it's which which is interesting because i i didn't really have that feel going into this episode like i i still wasn't fully convinced that he was a mirror universe captain and uh at the time and it, like i i remember parts of this like feeling bad for Lorca or like be like no I, I want Lorca to survive or like I it sucks that he's getting killed all, the, all these times but like no he maybe it would have been better <laughs> right um 
and he I, I'm surprised with how calmly Larker deals with his ship getting taken away from him though there's no like you know emotional like outburst there's no like oh you can't do this like how dare you he's just like kind of like he's like under pressure he just like contracts within himself and he's like okay let's let's deal with things so in that way he is somewhat of a typical star trek captain though wouldn't you say mm -hmm. yeah I, and, and i think that's kind of why i i, I mean i i think it he they they wrote him well for the first half of the season and it it did keep you guessing because like yes he seems to have more damage than others but but he he does like rise to the occasion and he does like the things that at least feel noble uh, really, he he knew that he had a way out in every single one of these situations, probably. But um, yeah, I like it, it's he he's able to play that line very well. What y'all think about the Lorca getting killed multiple times? Mo uh, montage of Harry Mud walking around. It's, I mean, this rewatch of it, I it, it was just generally funny. <laughs> so I I I, enjoy, I think I enjoyed it more this time than I, than I did the first time. Yeah, there, you know, there's also a, a secondary purpose, which is just to show that, like, many, many time loops have happened, um, mm -hmm. and they choose to do that with the <laughs> egregious murders of Gabriel Lorca <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly. <clears throat> is this right after that Kingsman movie came out? I can't remember now, because Kingsman has a... It's not quite the same. So that was in 2014, but I feel like... After that movie had had its um, scene in the church that I won't spoil for people who haven't seen that, very similar things have happened where you see one character just walking around and like wrecking annihilation on um, something, and this is very similar, like you know, sing, almost single camera style, like following one character around as they hmm. do stuff like that. Okay, let's take a break right here and we'll be back with more magic to make the sanest man go mad. Say that five times fast. Personal log, Specialist Michael Burnham. Stardate 2136.8. Despite my fears to the contrary, I seem to have found my place on this discovery. An air of routine has descended upon the ship and even I am a part of it. I've made friends, well, one at least. I take comfort in my work. This ship has quickly become the most important weapon in the Federation's arsenal in our war against the Klingons. And because of her, the tide has turned. Because of us, we are winning. Lieutenant Stamets' ability to pilot the ship's spore drive has given him access not just to all of space, but to unseen parts of his personality as well. As we perform our daily responsibilities, I confess I find some members of my fellow crew more interesting than others. Lieutenant Tyler has suffered so much and still maintains such dignity and kindness. I find him intriguing, but I fear my personal history interferes with my ability to forge relationships. I am among the others, but also apart. I wish sorely to step out of my comfort zone, yet don't know how. But tonight, I will face one of my greatest challenges so far. Tonight, we are having a party. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're going to talk about Michael Burnham. Specialist Michael Burnham in this episode without a badge. 
the insult, the injury, the ignominy of it all, walking around without that delta on your uh, uniform. Except there's like seven billion of them on the side in that like in the mm-hmm. embroidery of the and on the bottom uniform. of their shoes too. I right, think, exactly. Right? You know. <laughs> oh yeah. It's probably one on like the little buttons. Probably have like one on it. The zipper has another one. Um, <laughs> just deltas everywhere. Uh, okay, so so Burnham, Emily, you talked about the monologue earlier, mm-hmm. and we see a lot of evolution of Burnham's character in terms of social ability. Yeah, that's what I find impressive about this 30-minute loop. Like, Stamets is able to get enough that she is all... Like, she is able to go from, oh my gosh, we're going to the hardest thing I've ever had to do ever as a Starfleet officer, and that's go to a party, to, hey, Ash, want to come dance with me? Like, with no qualms, and let's just... Like, I like you, you like me, anyway. Yeah, she, <laughs> so she just a, needed to know evolution. that he likes her, and then that, that was enough to, to get it going. I guess that did make it easier. Well, and then, I mean, she kills herself in order to make sure that he doesn't stay dead, because mm. she has that one... Oh, yeah, she, she's super invested in that, uh, mm-hmm. that relationship after... 17 minutes she's like damn it i've never been in love before (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna have him die this way i'm gonna die the most painful possible way that the galaxy has or or what however it is that he describes it it doesn't look like it's that or either it's not as painful as they say or these people are just really able to uh dampen their pain receptors because well and and it's also it, it takes like a quarter of a second to kill you so it's can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this episode would have been a lot worse if everybody who died was like, ah, you know, like <laughs> just yelling in pain all over the place. Like, um, anyway, the the thing I will say about Burnham though, and and about Stamets convincing her is that I, I think that it, it is kind of it is kind of appropriate that Burnham is able to conquer her social fears when Stamets makes it part of a mission. She's a Starfleet mm. officer. She's a Vulcan who, like, is able to overcome whatever is in her path to, like, achieve the mission. And Stamets says, I need you to do this because it's it's your mission now. So when it's just her being like, oh, I, I want to tell this boy I like that, I like them, but I don't, and I'm awkward. Like, all of that just gets swept away because now it's the mission. And I kind mm-hmm. of appreciate that, that mm. that's what, like, gets her into a relationship essentially yeah i so i really like the general idea of constructing the plot in such a way that it requires burnham to be challenged and advance and develop uh you know face her fears uh you know uh begin some kind of love life right in order to solve the problem and save the ship from being destroyed i think as a concept that that is really compelling. I, if I had one critique of this episode, it's that I think they, the execution was not that good. Um, I mean, I, I don't know the thing about her secret being that being that she's never been in love. Um, I mean, that tells us something about Burnham, but it like really doesn't make sense as like a secret that you would use in that kind of a context. And I, yeah, I mean the <clears throat> it just didn't it 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 didn't really land for me. Yeah, it, it's it's maybe a, a bit too on the nose with the rest of the the writing for the episode because uh, it, it's also yeah. like at least from knowing her character, like 
probably everyone could guess that she had didn't ha- hadn't had a boyfriend before. Like she's, <laughs> like, wow, she I was just, just gonna say just that like apparently. I was just gonna say, apparently my cool <laughs> cast members have never had to deal with the stress of being in love and not knowing how to express it and being like, you know, not having a partner. But apparently, like, you just, wow. Jeez, Adam. Clearly, Bill and Adam have had it easy in their lives. So, as someone who's, to share a little bit of personal information about me, my first serious relationship was my husband, and I got married when I was 35, so... <laughs> I'm going to have, I'm going to side with Burnham on this a little bit. Hey, Bill, Adam, and listeners, if we ever go back in a time loop and you have to convince Emily to do something, that's the fact that you tell her. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but I was thinking it makes sense that that would have been a secret that not that it's like some, like the only secret she could think of, but she was consumed with this because this is what's happening in her life right now. It's the one thing that's just really uncomfortable. She doesn't know what to do with these feelings that she has. She has been getting to know him more, but anyway, so I think that, I think it makes sense that that would be her secret just because circumstances of the episode have her focused on that. And and I guess it was something that she had to come up with in like the next few seconds because they're about to die. (laughs) Um, whereas, yeah, so that, that, that I th- I, I'll, I'll rescind my, my statement. I think that does make sense with the, I, the way that they wrote this episode then. I mean, it is surprisingly poignant given how little time she had. I'd just be like, uh, I am wearing red underwear. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, t- I farted at that party and everybody smelled it. just just use that stamets just go with that okay (laughs) but uh yeah it it is i i think it's interesting given that there's all these resets so we still see so much character growth and i kind of like it as a a, it's kind of like an accelerator for burnham growth which is which is interesting as as a concept um well all right let's let's talk about let's talk about tilly very briefly anything about tilly that y'all want to want to discuss i mean i i just uh this very much made me miss uh season one tilly i i feel like there was a like she was a a a lot of fun as a character because she had like incredibly awkward moments but was all but was also like amazing at a party apparently and uh and and i feel like there were sort of stepping stones set up for her to like advance and become more uh uh like more of that like Starfleet captain material over time. Uh, and, and I just, I feel like season two kind of just turned her into a doofus. And uh, then the season three storyline became all about like imposter syndrome stuff. And, and I, I just, I, I liked the direction they were going in season one. And I, I, I feel like we kind of, um, I don't know, lost the direction a little bit on her. And so, but like this, this episode just reminds me of how much, fun i think she is i just enjoyed where she's like yeah burnham you and your past boyfriends you know how did that like yeah yeah burnham's like yeah past boyfriends yes of course (laughs) (laughs) i know all of them yeah 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 i had all the boyfriends um (laughs) well there were only weren't there only there was only one other scene that we really see tillian aside from the party and that's in the cargo bay with right yeah yeah because i was trying to think if there was any other scene with her well, all right. Speaking of Gormagander, Harry Mudd uh, is the reason this episode occurs the way that it does. He sets the things into motion. 
I thought, to just to start with the motivation of his character, I think it's pretty compelling. You know, you're stuck in a prison and then you get double-crossed and betrayed and left behind for dead by uh, the two people. You're going to want some revenge. And so I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me uh, as a reason why he would do it. And no point was I was like, why is he going through all this trouble? Like, it makes sense. Yeah, and and actually, like... When they first announced that Harry Mudd was going to be a character in this in this series, I was so mad because if there's one if there's one like completely irredeemable and just stupid character in the original series, it's Harry Mudd. Like and he he's, so is, popular, he's a slaver. He uh, like is just uh, he's he's disgusting in every single episode, and also just has the stupidest like uh, silly like just plot lines that are associated with him. But like I I can see it as a if we want to just have like a silly storyline somewhere like i could see the pitch for like okay who could we bring in like i i harry mudd maybe does make sense to like introduce to the series just so you can have this episode but you need a reason for him to want revenge so you put him in the klingon prison and then that's all you need um so i uh i i, I agree with you that, that like the the motivation for him is like very clear and uh, I, I think it's a it's a good setup in general. It's it's interesting. Having I have actually not watched any of the Harry Mudd episodes in TOS. I've only read about them, and everything okay. that I've read it confirms what you shared. But I, I didn't do that until I'd watched this. Uh, I'd watched Harry Mudd on Discovery as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess I came into it with a little bit more of a open book feel. And I think much like Discovery itself, this is, again, just a more brutal version of a villain that we've seen in Star Trek so much before. You know, we're talking about how similar he is to Q. Um, There have been these other, like, you know, kind of charming con man type people throughout Star Trek. There's those three con people in uh, Voyager, for example, who, like, pretend to be Voyager with their little ship and, like... uh, uh, cheat a bunch of alien species out of um, their resources and stuff. So this, there's been kind of archetypes like this before, but I feel like this is the one where we actually see the the con meet the brutality that it requires sometimes, and that is a, that was a little bit sobering, I guess, to see. You know, I mean that that whole sequence with Lorca dying a bunch. I mean it's it's kind of actually like shocking. <laughs> if yeah, you, if you stop to think about it too much, maybe. Yeah, they definitely uh, have lots of gruesome CGI in terms of like uh, melting away like skin and flesh and going to bone and yeah, uh, it's he he is a a very over the top character in a lot of ways. But most of the ways of killing Lorca he got from Lorca <clears throat> himself. So yeah, <laughs> if anyone has a slight cl- uh, amount of like deserving it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bill, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with Adam. When I heard that they were going to bring Harry Mudd back, I thought, really? Like, you have all these characters that you could choose from or make a new character and you're choosing Harry Mudd? Yeah. But uh, but Rain w- Wilson, I mean, first of all, it was probably so much fun for him as an actor, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he really crushes it. And the way they kind of reinvent Mudd, I think it was a success. I think it works really well. Mm-hmm. well I think that... I was... yeah, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Emily. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to bring up uh, Mud with Stella. I was trying to think if... And I can't remember if Stella is part of the original series mm-hmm. storylines with... But yeah, okay. Um, but 
like when you're when he first is talking about Stella, you know, he's like, you got I was separated from Stella. Or I lost Stella because of you. It's so clear he's full of crap. The first even the first time he's saying it, you know, just yeah. the way he's kind of telling you're like, you don't care about Stella. You're just trying to sound like you're. Um, but it was interesting how they were able to pick up on that being the the way that they could bring him down. Isn't isn't Stella his ship or am I misremembering that? No, it, mean in she's the in the original series, series or... as his his wife. Okay, no, no, no. What I mean is, is it maybe I'm misremembering this, but I feel like he. I I thought when he was saying I, you kept me away from Stella. It was just one of those like he's actually referring to his ship, but not you know like. Um, yeah, I don't no, think that's it, true. It's, no, no, it's it's definitely his uh, fiance or wife or, or, or yeah, whatever. And, and I mean, I've read again that she shows up as as like the the thing he really like. He makes it's it's like one of the episodes of TOS is one of those like uh, this guy. Look how hilarious it is that this dude like hates his wife and she's not actually shown on the screen. So fun fact: the person who plays Stella in this episode is the first time we actually see actual Stella, not an android version of her. Yeah, there's. Mm. I, I, th- I think it's and, I, and isn't that even the second episode with correct? Yeah, it's, I'm, yeah, yeah. it's the second meta episode. Yeah, and which is also like, why did you bring him back even even this time? <laughs> but even but yeah, I, I think it, he has like hundreds of androids of her or something like. Yeah, and the the, the joke is definitely that he hates She's his wife. Nagging and yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's all the all the classic reasons why a, a '60s man would hate his wife. I think it is. I think the one thing that's troubling about Harry Mudd beyond beyond social factors and TOS <laughs> in this episode, what's troubling is that he seems to have the ability to like just take over a Starfleet vessel. Like this dude could just walk on the ship and he's now completely in charge. And that seems like a superpower. Uh, <laughs> that could be yeah. really, I mean, if you can become that powerful as someone outside of Starfleet, it seems extremely dangerous to Starfleet's existence. Well, and I mean, definitely it's from the, uh, his use of a time crystal and it, like, it's implied that he used this time crystal probably for robbing that bank. Uh, so I, I, I guess I, I wonder, maybe it's possible that there were loops before the loop that we, the loops we actually see in this episode where he figured out like the best way to get onto the ship. Mm. Um, but, uh. But yeah, because he, he has a lot of knowledge of, uh, and maybe this is just like from uh, conning people for decades, uh, like knowing that a Starfleet ship has to pick up a Gormagander if they come across one, and that that would definitely result in him being in the shuttle bay, and also that they couldn't re- like scan through the shielding of its body and stuff like that. Yeah. No. I mean, that is, I, I do like the, like, I feel like in some of these episodes the, where, where a ship gets taken over, the weakest element is how did the person, like, get on board? But I do like this, like, Garmagander thing where it's like, okay, it's it's clearly a planned mm-hmm. thing and that this guy executes, that's, that makes sense in my head. It doesn't strain my credulity, at least, as long as you accept the existence of Garmaganders. Yeah, and, and also that they were in the same system as this particular Gormagander. Like, how many months was he inside the belly of that Gormagander just hoping that Discovery would come across him? <laughs> so, Notch, I, I had a similar thought about, you know, <clears throat> Mud is kind of overpowered if he can do anything with this time crystal. But, you know, how lucky are they that they had Stamets on the ship and this is what you know if you have a a starfleet vessel you definitely need like 
you know, somebody with tardigrade DNA, probably an android, a few different aliens, like a yeah, a, an export, right? Yeah. Just in case you have like a temporal anomaly, and maybe or one of them will by. be kind of yeah. immune from it, right? And imagine if the order of episodes was flipped, and this one came before. I mean, it's, they're lucky that Stamets had just given himself the tardigrade DNA, like the, you yeah. know, day previously, right? Otherwise. <laughs> That would be the the end of the series, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the rest of the series is basically like uh who's is who's what is uh the the Klingon chancellor's name in season 2? Laurel. Oh, Laurel. Yeah, the rest of the series is just Laurel in charge of discovery <laughs> <laughs> like the Klingons have taken over. <laughs> Humans are all dead. <laughs> or, or they could put him on Ruapente. Discovery is the only uh, series that hasn't had like a Ruapente episode, right? <laughs> I don't think Voyager has. Has it? Well, I, I, I just uh, maybe I'm just meaning the. Uh, yeah, they, they probably haven't. But they, there's there've definitely been like prison episodes that are right. just like, what if we did Ruapente, but in Voyager? Uh, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, let's see. What else What else about Harry Mudd can we talk about? Let, let's talk about that end scene. Because I think so. This is kind of related to the fact that this power to take over a starship is really dangerous. But like also their, their decision to let somebody with that power just walk away. Oh, yeah. That was a little questionable there. Well, that's because oh, we... it wasn't uh, uh, the captain in charge of that because he might have just had him murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. We didn't talk about like the best montage in all of Star Trek, though. I gotta say, I loved that montage. It just had a good feeling. Like when they get to the point where they realize, like they finally figure out exactly what it is that Mud wants, how he's doing it, you know, how he's achieved it. And then they just start showing the scenes of them uh, getting ready for him to board the ship, you know, making the adjustments to the captain's chair and mm-hmm, the music mm-hmm. that they do everywhere. It just, it's just one of those scenes where I'm like, yeah, this is good TV. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> so. Yeah. But there's a lot about this episode that just feels really well constructed that way where mm-hmm. you're just like, it just feels fun uh, as you're mm-hmm. going through it. Uh, not fun, Adam. It feels kind of, like sci-fi wacky you know okay yeah sorry yeah <laughs> uh yeah okay so um yeah it's it, it i i agree i think i think there's there is that vibe and um i i do think that final scene is um part of that va- wacky vibe but with a discovery touch where you have this like hilarious reunion, except then you also have an arms dealer in a suit carrying a cane with like a skull on it or whatever. Uh, that was that was interesting. I, Baron Grimes. I, I I think if he was not in the original series, they definitely like her her clothing and his clothing were definitely exactly in the vibe of uh, the way they would have done that in. Uh, in the original series. So I, I, I sort of read that all as like a, what kind of villain or whatever would this have been? And if he, if he had shown up then and they just used that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you could easily see Baron Grimes being a, uh, a villain himself, 
in some episode where the Discovery crew have to overcome. Maybe in Strange New Worlds, we'll, uh, we'll have Baron no. Grimes. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with the whole Harry Munch. <laughs> I don't need this to happen anymore. Rain, Rain Wilson is good. I'm just going to, le- I can watch this episode again if I want him back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe Rain Wilson will become like one of those guys who plays like seven thousand characters in Star Trek. Uh, over That's that. That is also fine. I'm I'm, fi- I'm cool with that too. <laughs> All right. Well, any other final things that you would like to discuss about this episode? Uh, oh, uh, there's <laughs> listed under one of our characters is random communications officer man. I just did, thought did, that was did, hilarious. Uh, did Did he oh. have a name as of this episode? No. I don't remember. I don't think he's. It, so he is has, this, he I can't remember. Now. He's Reese, right? Is he Reese or Bryce? I can't remember which one because oh, one of them is Reese well. and one of them is Bryce. It's like what's her face is on West, on West it's Wing. It's Bryce. It's okay. Bryce. Okay. I was thinking it was Bryce. What are the Oh, Ed and Larry on West Wing. Anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You don't know which one's which. But um, uh, yeah, I just thought it was hilarious that he calls him Random Communication Officer Man because that's like the way all you see these characters in so many of the episodes, but you have no idea who they are or what their name is. Or... Yeah, so I, I thought it was great to, to have that joke, and but also good that he did eventually, poor guy did get a name at some yeah. point in the series. And is, I think Arium is also still like, does she have a name by this point? I think so. Okay. I mean, it was credited. I don't think it was ever mentioned on screen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, because Discovery is just so slow in introducing its ensemble characters that I just don't know when people, like, you know, going back and watching a random episode, I don't know when, like, a particular one was named or not, you know? Yeah, and, and if I'm recalling, actually, I think Arium was first talked about mostly, like, in the After Treks or whatever they were called back then. Oh, okay. uh, and uh, so it, some of the the reason that we like knew characters' names or like what their background was was because of like material that actually wasn't in the show. Because um, oh. I, I I think we had had uh, that talked about that she was actually human and wasn't like an android or anything like that um, before oh, the see. the episode in season two where we we both learn her backstory and then kill her off because now we know her backstory and can feel sad about it. <laughs> that is yeah that happens way too much at least she wasn't like one of those characters who shows up in one episode it's like everyone's like hey you're our best friend we love you we've hung out with you so much off screen these <laughs> yeah. last few years and yeah. then, like Lindsay ballard and voyager's ashes to ashes where harry yeah. Kim is like oh Lindsay, yeah that's right it sucked when she died all those episodes ago that you didn't see um <laughs> anyway um yeah so okay any any other final notes before we we do our ratings doesn't sound like it uh so let's let's move on to strange new ratings who wants to stick their neck out and give this episode a rating well i could go uh so i i like this a lot i would give it a eight out of ten um Super fun, good pacing, good acting, um, and I give it an 8 and not a 10 just because I, like I said, I, I feel like the attempt to kind of tie it back to Burnham's character development just felt kind of contrived or didn't really work for me 100%. 
I think I'm going to go in and I'm just going to give this one a 10. I, I think that this has absolutely almost everything that I love about Discovery and none of the bad stuff that I don't like about Discovery. <laughs> and um, I, th I think that's th that about sums it up. It, it was just super enjoyable. I loved this rewatching of it. I'm going to go with a 4.5 out of 5. Same. I mean, I just I just really enjoyed it. I definitely um, just wanted to sit back and watch the show. And I haven't felt that way on lots of the episodes. So the fact that I just wanted to watch it and I was willing to watch it a second time, that says that I really enjoyed the episode. So I told myself when, I, when we started recording today that I would not be overly negative. I would go with the flow and I would just... I would I would not turn the mood of this podcast, and I've succeeded. I give this one a 6 out of 10. I generally am not a Whoa. huge fan of season 1 Discovery, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm I not either, but I love episode. this episode. <laughs> I didn't hate it, uh, but I didn't. I wasn't a big fan. I think the, a lot of the problems that Bill pointed out actually stuck in my craw pretty big time. and I, I knew they would. Yeah, I, I just, I, uh, it's, it's just difficult for me. And so, but at the same time, I see the value in not like dwelling on that stuff. And every time being like, oh, I don't like the vibe, blah, blah, blah. Here are my opinions that are going to just ruin everything. So it, I have succeeded for the first time in, 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 in doing that. So I feel pretty proud of myself. So I feel like much like Michael Burnham, I had a lot of character development in this episode. You've now proved that this is a better episode because you had all this character development just as we're recording and she only had 30 minutes also. So yeah, that's right. And, and just wait, now I'm going to like trigger the time loop. So next time I'll be even better. Okay. All right. And you'll give it a higher score. Right. There you go. <laughs> well, um, if there isn't, oh, we have we have we have an essential piece of business, which is what do we want to do next week? We we don't we haven't picked another episode. We keep I keep like trying to be like, oh, I should remember to make us do this before we start recording, and I keep forgetting. Do we want to do time travel episodes, or do we want to switch up our series? Just to give you an idea, we've got uh, some ideas for a holodeck series, perhaps tragic episode series, um, or we could continue down the time travel. Uh, Let's see what a, what time travel episodes are left. And, that and need to be dear listener, if you wish to, if you want us to do a particular series, if you have an idea for that, let me know. Uh, tweet at us or, uh, or or go comment on our Instagram. Uh, find a way to let us know what you want us to do, and we'll we'll try to find a way to incorporate it. We're having a lot of fun, so yeah. I know Adam really wanted to do Year of Hell, but, I don't but know that, that, that could also just be like in a like best episodes of, of X series, or yeah, it doesn't have to be a time travel one. Ones that make you sad when you compare it to the rest of the series that it's in. <laughs> <laughs> just be all the episodes of voyager in that series <laughs> poor voyager, oh, voyager it has some indeed. good episodes but yeah it's lately hey, i've been trying it has a lot of yeah. good it has a lot of good episodes no it, it it does i i i really loved them it's just that every time we we watch one i'm, I'm sort of reminded like wait this one was bad and i thought it was a good one <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'm actually gonna make an executive decision here since uh are we gonna start a new? yes we are we're gonna start the holodeck series next week um i have a a few ideas here but for the first one i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pick one author author from voyager 
is gonna be our next episode i think also by the way dear listener this is our 50th episode this is the 50th episode of strange new takes we are two episodes away from having done 52 weeks of episodes uh science tells me that's a year but i'm not sure i'm convinced um and yeah so i'm i'm really excited to do author author with you next week um and also by the way in the works we've got an episode where we're going to talk about the star trek discovery book wonderlands that's going to be probably be a mini episode uh maybe next week maybe the week after we're not entirely sure when that's going to come out yet but um if you've been holding off reading wonderlands we'll talk about that uh book it will be a spoiler based episode so you probably want to read the book before you listen to it um but uh we'll we'll do our review of uh wonderlands uh soon here yeah, I'm super looking forward to that. I I I I, I want to give my spicy uh my my strange new take and uh I just need to keep waiting until everyone else finishes it. It's true. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, with that, thank you Emily. Thank you Adam. Thank you Bill for talking Star Trek with me. As always, it's a it's a great part of my week when I can spend a couple hours talking Star Trek with my friends. So thank you for being here. Thanks. Thank you, Notch. Yeah, thanks, Notch. <laughs> of course. Thank you, Rudy, Dinah, and Max, wherever y'all are this uh, long weekend. I hope it's a good one for you. I hope it's filled with uh, eating brats or other vegetarian choices that you enjoy eating on long weekends. Um, thank you, dear listener. I hope you have a great long weekend as well. Uh, thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. He doesn't get a long weekend because he doesn't live in this country. Too bad for him. And uh, special thanks to Gormaganders. If they were just a little smaller and couldn't hold an entire ship inside them, this episode would have never happened. So, you know, you got to thank them. Uh, also, there wouldn't have been that, like, sequence in our review of uh, the final episode of season three where we're like, is that a Garma or something? Like, this, it was there in a previous episode, we promise. Not here it is. It's a Garmagander. So, all right, special <laughs> thanks to Garmaganders. We'll see you next week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.